Welcome to Water into Wine with Mignon, the place where we discuss the practical and supernatural ways of the kingdom of God that are relevant to your life. And now, today's podcast. Welcome. I'm your host, Mignon Morel, and I'm so glad you've joined me today. Today, we're going to talk about the kingdom. So, my question to you what is the kingdom? Why is it important to learn about the kingdom? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's important to learn about the kingdom because the kingdom of God is what we have been given as our inheritance. It is a true place, it's power, realm, and perspective that we are meant to be living from. And the more we know about the reality and the truth of Jesus's kingdom, the more we experience it here. And the more we can tell the difference between the kingdom and religion in our own everyday lives. So let's talk about the inheritance. The kingdom is our inheritance. Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. The kingdom encompasses all things that were created by God through Jesus, including the heavens and what we call heaven, the earth, the angels, the demonic, the visible things, physical and invisible things around us. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. They're talking about Jesus. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So the kingdom encompasses all things that were created by God through Jesus Christ. We receive the kingdom through Jesus Christ. He is the executor of the kingdom and no one comes or receives their inheritance in the kingdom except through him. So let's dig a little bit deeper into kingdom because I know a lot of times people say well the kingdom yay but they don't really know about the kingdom. Is it here? Is it the future? Is it a place? What is it? So The truth is the kingdom is present and it is future. This means we have some access to the kingdom now through Christ and then and we will have full access to all of it later in the future. Now, many times in scripture, Jesus spoke about the kingdom being present in various ways. For example, Matthew 10, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Luke seventeen twenty. Asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied to them, saying, The kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display, nor will these people say, Look, here it is. See, there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you and among you, surrounding you. Luke eleven twenty, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has already come upon you. And of course, when we're talking about the kingdom being present, the biggest example in my mind is when Jesus 
speaks about the kingdom and how it has potential to be present in our lives when he tells the church how to pray for their daily needs in Matthew 6, 9 through 11. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Jesus would not have told us to pray in this manner, if it was not possible for God's kingdom to come in some measure into our lives on a daily basis, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So yes, it is possible now that the kingdom is present. Now the kingdom is our inheritance and it is a real place as well. In Matthew 25, Jesus speaks about the kingdom coming in the future through the use of various parables, including the parable of the ten virgins who have to wait a long time and fall asleep before the return of the bridegroom, as well as the parable of the talents where the servants are supposed to earn interest while they're waiting for their master to return. In all of these parables, Jesus is speaking to a delay of time between his appearance in scripture with them and the full giving over of the kingdom. Now, he concludes all of these parables by telling them exactly what will happen at the end of time when the kingdom is fully transferred. This is Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, his majesty and splendor, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them, the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will cause the sheep to stand at his right hand, but the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. You favored of God and appointed to eternal salvation, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundations of the world. Now, he spoke of this because the people at the time he was there assumed that because he was there, the kingdom was going to come right away and destroy all of Israel's enemies and establish a new reign of peace and righteousness in the world. This is this is what they were saying in Luke 19. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they assumed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately as soon as he reached the city. So he said to them, a nobleman went to a distant country to obtain for himself a kingdom and then to return. So we're seeing in scripture two separate ideas here. The kingdom is present. When you see these things, this means the kingdom is at hand. Okay. But the kingdom is also future. At the end of time, the full inheritance of the kingdom will be given over. So it's both present and future. And Jesus made that clear in scripture. Now, let's talk about the, the role of the church in the kingdom. The church is a part of God's kingdom, but it is not in itself the entirety of the kingdom. Mankind was originally meant to facilitate God's kingdom upon the earth. And we see this in Genesis 1, when God is talking and says, Let us make man in our image, Genesis 1, 26, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. The Bible says, however, that we are also meant to be priests and kings and queens who serve in the kingdom and reign on the earth. Revelations 5, 9. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom, a royal race and priests to serve our God and they will reign as kings on the earth. Now, after Jesus died and rose again, the job of facilitating a lot of the kingdom upon the earth fell to the church. We are now considered to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. We are now meant to live and focus on living in the kingdom of God here. Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son whom he loves. The church is meant to be manifesting the traits of the kingdom upon the earth in every sphere of influence. The word Christian actually means little Christ. And like Jesus, we are supposed to be direct conduits of the kingdom of God upon the earth. Now, once we receive Jesus as our savior, we are brought into his kingdom. Then the process of learning how to live in the kingdom from this new place in reality is supposed to begin. This means that our perspective, understanding, and our behavior shifts from this world to one that lines up with the king and his kingdom and how life is done from that perspective. Just like Jesus, we are meant to be seeing the kingdom manifest in our ordinary lives. The problem is that often in the midst of this process of learning how to grow and manifest in the kingdom, we get hijacked by religion. And that complicates and creates barriers and sabotages our ability to be the conduits that we're supposed to be. So let's take a moment here and let's talk about some of the signs of the kingdom, the signs of the kingdom of God in our midst. You know, the kingdom of God has a tangible presence and a reality that is meant to be made visible and demonstrated. In fact, one of the biggest ways the kingdom manifests is through visible demonstration of God's power and rule. We're supposed to be demonstrating the good news of the kingdom of God, not just talking about it. That's one thing in the church that we're moving towards. This is what the Apostle Paul means in 1 Corinthians 4 when he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And Jesus also specifically addressed this issue in Matthew 10, 7, when he said, As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely you give. The kingdom was always meant to be preached and delivered with demonstrations of its power because the demonstrations lend credibility and proof to the message. As Christians, we are ambassadors for Christ who are supposed to be preaching the gospel with power, not just words. Demonstrating the word of God with power. Demonstrating the word of God with power was the original kingdom model used in the early church's evangelism. You can read the book of Acts and see that it's filled with examples of the kingdom being made visible upon the earth. The kingdom message and power always went together. In Acts 5, we read, 
the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and more and more men and women were added to their number. And it wasn't just the apostles who did signs and wonders. Everyday believers were also capable of doing these things. Acts 6 covers the story of a young convert named Stephen. And it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Stephen was not an apostle. He was an everyday believer. Demonstrating the message of the kingdom was meant to be done from the beginning. Though it is not regularly taught right now in the American church, the kingdom of God still manifests and is manifesting in the same ways it did back then when Jesus and the apostles were here. What are some of the signs that the kingdom of God has come into our midst today? Well, let's talk about what that looks like, okay? For example, the kingdom of God manifests through healing and miracles. Webster's Dictionary defines the word miracle as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs, a wonder or a marvel. An example of a miracle in the Bible, which there were plenty of them, would be the multiplication of food. In every gospel account, the story of Jesus multiplying the food for over a total of 9,000 people is recorded. It says here, Mark 8, 19, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? And they answered, seven. In other words, miracles are extraordinary events that manifest divine intervention in human affairs. I personally have seen miracles. I have personally had money supernaturally placed in my bank account, the exact amount I've needed. This has also been corroborated by other people, including the bank tellers and the bank management. I've also seen money multiply right in my hands in front of me. Now, I share these accounts that have happened to make a point. I've seen many miracles. I am not special. Sometimes I think we think these only happen to, these things happen to special people. Special people. That's not true. If you are a believer, you are a kingdom citizen. These things can also happen to you. Healing. Healing and creative miracles were common in the ministry of Jesus and the apostle. Blindness and things like leprosy were cured routinely. Luke 17, 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Healing is a part of the kingdom coming. I personally prayed for healing, creating miracles for people, and have seen people healed time and time again. Um, when I first stepped out to pray for people with the kingdom mindset, I saw the first healing miracle. I remember it was on a Christmas Eve at my church at the time, and I was asked to pray for a woman who had a severe bleeding issue. She was scheduled to have a hysterectomy and didn't want to have it. She still wanted to be able to have kids. So in between services on Christmas Eve, which is usually a very busy and stressful time, I took five minutes to pray for her. Uh, I don't did not pray eloquent prayers. I just prayed as I was led by the Holy Spirit with the mindset that I knew Jesus desired to heal her. 
Well, what happened was the Lord totally healed her miraculously right then. Her doctors verified her healing, saying it was a miracle and that she didn't have to have a hysterectomy anymore. And after that, the church decided that I would have the healing and deliverance ministry because I was seeing healing when they weren't seeing he- weren't seeing healing. So I have seen people healed countless numbers of time. Um, it, to me, it goes right along with the truth and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Inner healing is also a sign that the kingdom is manifesting. I have seen many people receive great healing in their emotions and minds that was desperately needed. In the kingdom, God is concerned with full healing for a person, not just physical healing. In the kingdom, every part of the person matters. And healing is just one of the many manifestations that the kingdom of God has come near you. Now, deliverance. Let's talk about that. Deliverance is also a sign that the kingdom is manifesting around you. Deliverance is defined as to set free or save. Jesus frequently performed deliverance when he walked the earth, and he's still doing it today. Matthew 12. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Deliverance still occurs and is needed badly today because many of us can have areas in our lives that are oppressed. Now, I say oppressed, not possessed. There is a huge difference. Oppression can happen to any of us, even believers, okay? Remember, being transformed in the likeness of Christ is a process. Oppression happens when we struggle with different areas in our lives mentally and physically. Possession happens is a totally different thing totally different thing. Now, Acts 10:38 talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. And this verse we see that healing and deliverance are tied together. And this is because the demonic can often be behind illnesses that people struggle with. And it's often necessary at times to first deliver a person from, say, a spirit of infirmity before their full healing uh, will occur. You know, deliverance comes for things like freedom from addiction, harassment, uh, illness, uh, deliverance from things like occult involvement and bloodline curses. They happen all over the world today. I've seen many, many people deliver from things in my years in ministry. Uh, After I became a Christian, I had a chronic illness for a long time that did not get healed until I went and received deliverance. So when you see deliverance happening or you undergo deliverance in your life, that is a sign of the kingdom of God manifesting in in your midst. Salvations, people getting saved and giving their lives to Christ, especially in a mass group setting, is also a sign of the kingdom being near you. Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell and 3,000 souls were added that day, Modern-day revival ministries like Reinhardt Bonnke and Iris Ministries continue to see salvations on a mass scale. That is a sign that the kingdom is in our midst. Raising the dead. Jesus raised the dead in scriptures. John eleven forty three. When he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, and out walked the man who had been dead, his hands and feet wrapped in burial cloths with a napkin around, around his face. Jesus said to them, free him of the burial wrappings and let him go. Upon seeing that, what Jesus had done, many of the Jews who had come with Mary believed in him. 
people being raised from the dead still happens. In fact, we have ministries now that are set up just to pray for people who have died suddenly to be raised again. Matthew 10, 8 says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. All of these are signs of the kingdom of God manifesting in our midst, but they are not everything. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking when one likes, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit and its manifestation in your life is also a sign of the kingdom manifesting in your midst. In the kingdom, the fruit of the Spirit is just as important as the gifts and healing and such because the fruit carries the nature of God and his transforming power. So this is also a sign of the kingdom of God manifesting in your midst. So by now you may be thinking, well, I see some of this active in my life. Or you may be thinking, I haven't seen any of this manifest in my life. Why? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because it leads me to the next important topic. How the kingdom is different than religion. Having a religious mindset is one of the fastest ways we sabotage and shut off the kingdom. Now, for me personally, I did not see healing in my life until my mindset began to be transformed. When I really started to press in and ask God, hey, God, why am I not seeing the results you promised in your word? God began to show me through a process what was religion in my life and what was kingdom. Religion is always about control, rules and regulations, control over worship, over focus, over resources, over lifestyle. Religion exercises control over a person's mind and soul. It's typically based on compulsion, guilt, and punishment. Do this ritual in a specific way or pray in this way or you will face punishment on some level. It loves tradition and ritual and typically places the practice of those things above any relationships. And our souls, because the souls like to have control, love religion. In religion, you have to do something to get a response from God or to be considered acceptable to him. If you don't, you have failed, or you would be made to feel that you have failed by those who engage in the religious activities. Religion will drive you to abuse other people all in the name of giving them freedom. This type of system of control is actually very ingrained within us as a people at large at a very young age. Whether we are spiritual or not, whether we are Christian or any other kind of religion, because it exists in much of the world system. Again, the reason is because religion is about control. An example would be our school system, or whether we pass or fail. Okay, that's based on control. I'm teaching you this, you spit it back out to me, this, you pass or fail. Okay, it's ingrained in much of our society and in the way we act with each other. So I want to give just a few examples of religion in our church mindset that we a lot of us have that we don't recognize is religion. (laughs) So I can give you some ideas of what I'm talking about. For instance, here's a question. Why do we have church on Sundays, right? 
Why not on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Why? Well, the typical thought is because Jesus was resurrected on the third day, which would have been a Sunday. So it's tradition. But in scripture, God doesn't require that we all go to church on a Sunday. The word says, do not fail to gather or meet together. But it doesn't say how or when to meet together or how often to meet together. In fact, in Romans 14, 5, the Apostle Paul says this about holy days of the week. One person thinks that some days should be set aside as holy, and another thinks that each day is pretty much like the other. There are good reasons either way, so each person is free to follow the convictions of their conscience. What's important in all of this is that you keep a holy day. If you're going to keep it, you keep it to the Lord. So, in reality, going to church on a Sunday is a religious tradition. Now, it's okay if that's what you want to do, but it's also okay if you don't want to do that. Your conscience is supposed to make that decision. We are supposed to gather together, but the Bible is very fluid on exactly what that looks like. And I believe God did that on purpose so that we wouldn't come up with a super standardized version of the church. So that's one way. Another way in which religion plays a part of our lives is through compulsion. Compulsion in, the, in things we do at church. Compulsion manifests as the feeling you have to do something in order to feel spiritual. For example, going on a missions trip because everyone else is doing it, even if you don't even feel like really going. Now, mission trips are great. They are wonderful, but not everybody's called to go on a mission trip. Some are called to give so that others can go. Reading your Bible or going to church every time the door is open or praying in a specific way, even when you're tired and you really need rest. Okay. You don't feel that God is going to be pleased with you unless you do it, or you don't feel a release unless you do it. Compulsion is a huge way that religion begins to manifest in our lives. Now, these are just two examples, but if you stop to think about it and you ask God, he will show you what the difference is. Now, all of this is antithetical to the kingdom because the kingdom is not about control or being controlled in order to get a response. The kingdom is all about surrender. It's about becoming childlike, exploring, being at rest, and being accepted for who we are in Christ, regardless of our behavior and at times our faults. Mark 10, 15, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, does this mean that we continue to sin? No. This means that our perspective shifts because now our worship, our community, our lifestyle, the way we process information about God is all based on relationship with him, not on rules and regulations. Religion seeks to control. Relationship seeks to transform. It's no longer about controlling ourselves in hopes that we can be acceptable. It's about surrendering to the process and relationship that Jesus has already purchased for us on the cross and learning to live in a safe place with him. It's about giving up control all control to the one you can fully trust and allowing him to conform you into his likeness. The kingdom is based on love, God loving us, humbling himself towards us in Christ because of love. Religion is based on us coming to God out of fear. They are not the same thing. Now, 
As I said earlier, when I came to God to ask him why I was not seeing some of the things he had promised in his word, he asked me to repent for being religious and began to show me what was religion in my life and around me and what was kingdom. Now, repentance actually means to turn away or change your mind, to walk away. It's not a one-time prayer where we feel sorry for something. It can start there, but that's not the fullness of it. It's actually when you change your life and go in a different direction, you turn away. And that's what was happening for me. It was a process. Now, this process for me was very similar to that of peeling an onion. I get through one layer of removing religion in my mindset, and then I would see an expansion of the kingdom of God there. And then God would reveal another layer that he wanted me to deal with. It was a process, not a one-time deal. Breaking compulsion, breaking rigidness, breaking false understanding about God's love for me, adjusting my mindset, building me up more to the truth and likeness of Jesus getting to know who Jesus really is. Remember, the kingdom comes through Jesus Christ. You can't get into the kingdom without knowing the king. He vets everyone in his kingdom. So knowing Jesus on a personal, deep level is the biggest key to seeing more of the kingdom manifest in your life. Uh, Last year, I had a dream that really spoke to this in my life. I dreamed that I was in heaven with Jesus. And every now and then I'll have dreams of Jesus where he'll come and speak to me. This was one of them. And I asked him all these questions about the the former years of my life. And it was interesting. And many of the times he responded to me, he would tell me that was because of religion or this was religious. And I would say, well, what about this person, God, who came and said this? Well, that was religious. And then he showed me the difference. And at one point in the dream, he did something really, really cool. He said to me, Many people pay me to come intervene in their situations or beg me to come, he said, but I always come for family. It's about a relationship. I always come family. You are family to me. This is what he told me in the dream. And I was very encouraged by that. You should be encouraged too. The kingdom comes when we're in relationship. So if you want to see more of the kingdom manifesting in your life, Ask God to show you, Lord, where am I still operating in religion thinking that it's kingdom? Lord, show me the difference. And then get ready because he will show you the difference. And lastly, we need to understand that the greatest value in the kingdom is love. Everything that we do in the kingdom must have its beginning centered in the love relationship we have with the Father because of what Jesus has done for us. This love keeps us centered in Christ and allows us to receive the kingdom with that childlike trust and acceptance that we need. Again, Mark 10, 15 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Having a kingdom mindset is about living in the love, abundant and free life that Jesus came to give us. He encourages us to desire the kingdom of God to manifest around us. He says so in Luke 12, do not be afraid, little flock, for the father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He tells us to put the kingdom at the top of our list of priorities if we expect to see the manifestation of it in our lives, as in Matthew 6, 33. So don't worry saying that we should, what shall we eat or what shall we drink for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. 
But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Water into Wine is produced by Media 12 Productions. For more information, go to media12.org.